Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And of course, if you're not subscribed, make sure to do so. Hit that notification icon. Tell a friend, tell a sibling, tell a mom, tell a dad, tell whoever you want about the show. All of that would be greatly appreciated. I mentioned yesterday that going into today, I was going to have a bit of an announcement. If you missed it on Twitter, I'll go over it here as well. My announcement is that I'm going to officially be covering the Packers 24-7, 365. For those of you who don't know, I have been working a full-time job this entire time despite covering the Packers and coming out with a new episode every single day, 365 days a year. As I mentioned in my tweet, it feels like I've been you know, sort of covering the Packers with a hand tied behind my back because a lot of times, and my jobs have been amazing, by the way, in allowing me to go to practices and some press conferences and things like that, but a lot of times what happens is I'm able to go to practice and then have to go right back to work. And I don't get to immediately, you know, put out an episode or respond to questions or do Q&As or do a lot of live content and those sort of things. So uh, not a ton will change at the forefront, at least until we probably get to training camp. I'm going to work a lot in these next few weeks to try to improve sound and improve quality and do some of those sort of things, do a ton of brainstorming so that I've got a ton of exciting content. I want to do more live shows. I want to have more special guests. I want to do more Q&As. I want to do more, 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 better, better, better. And that's really my hope and goal as I continue to do this as a completely focused, energized, re-energized, um, you know, just passion project of mine. And this is going to become, you know, everything that I do from here on out. So the, the day job goes away. This becomes my day job, my night job, and everything in between. Obviously, this will allow me to have a little bit more family time, get a little bit more sleep, and uh, do everything a little bit more in real time as well. So could not be more excited. This is a dream come true. I want to just stop and pause and thank all of you for supporting the show, for watching the show, for being a part of this with me. For those of you who have followed me on Twitter, have watched me you know, write for Cheesehead TV and write for Title Town Sound Off and write for Packer Report and, and all of those things. 
I'm going to continue to write a little bit for Packer Report as well. I'm going to continue to do the podcast 365 days a year. Pack a day is going to be a primary objective of mine. Obviously, Packer Report is going to be a piece of that as well. So keep an eye out for all of those things. But as I mentioned, no major change in what I do on a day-to-day basis, except I'm going to be focusing more on this every single day and putting my everything into this moving forward. So I cannot wait. I hope you're excited as well. With that in mind, let's cover mini camps and all the news that happened throughout the course of the day. Before we get to mini camp itself, Adrian Amos officially, officially gone. He is now a member of who else? The New York Jets. He will give them some safety depth and will give them an opportunity, you know, they'll give him an opportunity to start at that safety position. He follows a long list of Green Bay Packers who have headed east this offseason, including Alan Lazard and Aaron Rodgers, and you know all of the names, but Aaron, you know, Adrian Amos just becomes the latest version of that. That closes his chapter officially in Green Bay. And as I've talked about Adrian Amos in the past, him coming over from Chicago, I watched that last season in Chicago and then really every season up until last season in Green Bay and had him, you know, saw him really be one of the most consistent safeties that I have ever seen cover, Um, you know, not just as a member of the Packers, but as I watched his tape back for the Chicago Bears, he was so incredibly consistent. He really put the word safe in safety. He was always in the right spot at the right time, solid tackler, solid sound and coverage, solid communicator, just everything was, you know, exactly as you expected, made very few mistakes. Last year was a bit of a different so you know story. We saw him fall off a little bit. Coverage was down, tackling was down, speed was down, all those sort of things, which is why I think Green Bay ultimately wanted to go in another direction. I think maybe had he been open to more of a vet minimum deal, I think maybe Green Bay would have been more in the conversation. He was smart not to do that because he got a up to $4 million deal with signing with a you know the New York Jets on a one-year deal. But his, again, time in Green Bay officially comes to a close. He'll play with New York this season. Certainly wishing him the best. He brought a lot of great seasons to Green Bay. And I will certainly remember the majority of those fondly for being one of the more consistent safeties that I've seen play in Green Bay. Meanwhile, uh, former you know Chicago Bear Adrian Amos to current Chicago Bear Justin Jones. And if you're wondering who the heck is Justin Jones, you're not wrong. Justin Jones is a defensive lineman for the Chicago Bears for now, and he decided to talk some smack and say that Packer fans are basically crappy Packer fans, and I'm using a different version of the word because we're you know PG friendly here and said that Packer fans don't know what they're talking about. And listen, this is all Packer-Bear rivalry. I am all for it. I get it. I understand it. But, but what I want to say to any Chicago Bear fan who might have stumbled upon the Packaday podcast today, which is probably not very many, but I'll say this nonetheless. You were the worst team in football a season ago. You don't know where your stadium's going to end up. Your franchise is a bit of a mess overall. You haven't won anything in an incredibly long period of time. You had a huge lead on the overall rivalry between the Packers and the Bears, which the Packers have now taken from you because you have sucked for so freaking long. You have done nothing, nothing to talk any smack And every single year, it's the same talking points regurgitated. I still have articles bookmarked of Mitch Trubisky is going to be the next big quarterback in the NFC. How did that go for you? And I know you're excited about Justin Fields, and I have talked glowingly for the most part about your franchise this past offseason and this offseason about how you've done a lot of things the right way and build up a lot of capital. You've built up a lot of draft assets. Justin Fields certainly looks like he could potentially be a player. There is poss- there's the possibility that there are some good things around the corner for you. 
But guess what? Just wait because you can talk smack then if that comes to fruition. And maybe Green Bay is going to be on the decline. And I know that you are super stoked that that guy that owned your franchise for so long is now in the AFC playing for a completely different team, but you have not done anything yet to earn yourself any smack talk. In fact, the last Bears organization member that talked any smack was extremely excited about the fact that Adrian Amos left for the Packers and that you guys got haha Clinton Dix in return. So maybe just pump the brakes a little bit. If you want to talk smack, you are talking smack from a position of complete non-power. And I will end with this. The Packers came off one of their worst, most frustrating seasons in an extremely long period of time. Eight and nine, missed the playoffs by a game, tried to go all in, couldn't make the playoffs, and it really sucked. And the Packers still finished five games ahead of you a season ago. So slow your roll just a little bit, Justin Jones, because as I mentioned, it's more likely that you are a cap casualty in 2023 than that you actually win a playoff game in 2023. So check yourself just a little bit. And that's enough about that. Let's talk about Packers minicamp, which last week in OTAs, I ended with uh, you know the, the last OTA session and going over that, telling you how juicy that OTA was and how there was a bunch of exciting tidbits that we got to go over. This was the antithesis of that. Not a ton of juicy stuff from this practice, but still some fun stuff to cover. So let's go over all of it anyway. Uh, practice attendance report. Uh, this was per Ryan Wood and Bill Huber, who do a phenomenal job of taking attendance at practice. Those players that were not practicing, including Dal- included Dallin Levitt, Eric Stokes, Tervarius Moore, Rashawn Gary, Jonathan Garvin, Jake Hansen, Tyler Davis, Grant Dubose, Chris Slayton, and Matt Orzik. The three players that were not in attendance at practice were Tavarius Moore, Matt Orzik, and Jonathan Garvin. Now it's possible they were there and we just didn't see them. It's possible that you know in the whole mess of things, maybe you know a player or two were sneaking in the back as an injured player. Who knows what might have happened? But as far as we could tell, those were the three players that were not in participation. Matt LaFleur did mention that they had full participation and that any player that was not there was excused for a personal issue. So if Moore and Orzik and Garvin were in fact not there, it sounds like those were excused absences. The one that stands out there, of course, is Jonathan Garvin because he had not been at any of the open OTAs. Remember, he missed the voluntary you know, OTAs and stuff last year as well. So you would think that that would be a player that would want to be there, but if it's excused, you have to, you know, sort of figure at least that he has some good reason for it. Hopefully, Orzik, Garvin, Tavarius Moore uh, have nothing serious going on, and all of them are back in Green Bay sooner rather than later. But those were the three players that we did not spot in attendance. Again, players that did not practice in any capacity Levitt, Stokes, Moore, Gary, Garvin, Hansen, Davis, Dubose, Slayton, and Orzik. Chris Slayton, not TJ Slayton. Meanwhile, there were two players that were back at practice, Razul Douglas and Jair Alexander. Great to see those two starting corners back practicing with the team. Keyshawn in the slot gave them their true starters as we're likely to see them heading into the season. We'll see what ultimately happens with Eric Stokes. And if he's ready to go week one, or if he ends up on the pup list, that will remain to be seen. But Douglas, Alexander were back. And like I said, that was awesome to see. You could tell they brought a little bit more energy. You could tell Stokes was very happy to see Jair. We got some handshakes. We had some fun stuff going on. Uh, So that was always fun to see. But just in general, great to see Jair and Razul back. And that just gives the you know offense a little bit more of a challenge, gives the defense a little bit more energy, and that's just going to make practice inherently a little bit more better. 
Let's talk about a couple of the plays of the day. The first one, not in any specific order, but in my my favorite play of the day was a Jordan Love to Christian Watson bomb down the left sideline. It was from their own four yard line back deep up into their end zone. And this is just seven on seven. So I should note right away, the only 11 on 11 sessions in this practice were walkthroughs like at a snail's pace. So we didn't get any real 11 on 11 periods. Clearly they were not in pads. We did see live sessions during seven on sevens, but there's no offensive line. There's no pass rush, those sort of things. So it, it makes it a little less exciting and a little less, I don't know, competitive, but still seven on sevens get pretty competitive and you get to see the coverage versus the, the wide receivers. And Jordan Love was still trying to get the ball out relatively quick and you know, sort of understanding the pressure and those sort of things. So it was still good to see, but the play of the day, it, you know, backed up on his own four yard line, Christian Watson goes screaming down the field at the you know highest pace possible for Christian Watson, which is pretty darn fast. And Jordan Love bombs it down the field to him, hits him in stride, I would say probably around the 40-yard line, so probably 35-ish yards in air. And then, you know, Christian Watts is just gone. And it looked like Jair Alexander was in coverage. At least he was the closest person to the play. It's really tough to diagnose coverages and who's at fault and those sort of things when everything's going on all at once and you're watching the offense, you're watching the defense, you're watching, like, you're trying to watch everything. And in a way, you don't get, you know, get to see quite as much, but you know, Love put it exactly where it needed to be. Christian Watson did a phenomenal job accelerating to the football. There was nobody close in the end. Like he had two yards at least on Jair Alexander and he was gone, gone. So they were only playing half fields because the, you know, basically the B team was practicing on the other half of the field. The A team was on this side of the field and, you know, you couldn't take it the full 96 yards. He would have gone the full 96 yards, unquestionably. Beautiful ball, beautiful speed by Christian Watson, caught it in stride, accelerated through the catch point, and just a gorgeous play all around. Now, defensively, not sure what happened there. If it was Jair in coverage, that's just even more impressive for Christian Watson, because if you've gotten two yards of separation past Jair Alexander, that just goes to, you know, to show exactly how talented of a player you are, because that doesn't happen to Jair very often. But beautiful, beautiful play from Jordan Love to Christian Watson. The other play of the day was in the back of the end zone, seven and sevens, red zone drill. It had not gone well early for the offense, not due to anything that they necessarily did bad. I thought the defense just did a tremendous job in red zone and covering everything up. But on a back of the you know end zone corner route, Jordan Love hits Romeo Dobbs in the exact back of the end zone. Romeo Dobbs makes a sliding catch. Love put it only where Romeo could get it. Jair Alexander had fantastic coverage on the play. It did not matter. Romeo still caught the ball. Love put it again where only he could get it. And I think, you know, Jair, this is what Jair said after practice. He said, quote, Dobbs caught a touchdown on me today and I gave him a hug almost, Alexander said. I was like, good stuff because the year before he didn't catch anything on me. So, you could tell Jair was like, oh, okay, that's different. And this is just, we've been talking about Romeo Dobbs and him looking better, violent cuts, violent routes, gaining separation, you know, getting, you know, contested catches, catching, you know, really tough balls at the catch point, like all of these things that he has been putting together. But the question was, all right, it's been Corey Ballantyne and it's been Carrington Ballantyne. It's been Keandre Thomas. What does that look like when Jair and Razul are out there? Well, question answered early in this practice. Yes, seven on sevens, but gorgeous route, gorgeous catch, gorgeous ball, great coverage. We often talk about how in practice, it's like 
even when the offense makes a play, it's like, well, the defense screwed something up. Or when the defense makes a play, it's like, well, the offense screwed something up. So it's always like this no-win situation where you're excited about one thing, but disappointed about the other. This was one of those plays where you're just like, it was really good defense and just better offense. And you have no qualm with how Jair made the, the, you know, had the coverage on the play was good coverage. And then you just really tip your cap to what Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs were able to do on the play. And for Dobbs to make the sliding catch, get both feet in, control through the ground, all of it, just a picture perfect play. So really some fun stuff there. And just Romeo Dobbs continues to stack success as Mike McCarthy would like to say. Meanwhile, as I mentioned, Jair Alexander back at practice, working off a little bit of that rust from not being at OTAs. Was it, it looked like he was in coverage on Christian Watson on the 96-yard touchdown, was in coverage on Romeo Dobbs in that beautiful back corner play. As I mentioned, he had good coverage on the play. Then also looked like he had just lost Samore Toure on a coverage breakdown. It looked like he was in man, looked like he was, you know, had him and then just sort of stopped. And then Toure ends up wide open and Love hits him uh, right along the sideline and Toure makes a nice catch and, you know, would have been a pretty big play for the offense. Looked like Jire may have been at fault there. Yeah, like I've said, you, you, like to try to break down coverage assignments in real time from the sideline angle when you're watching, you know, 14 players at once, I'm not going to do. So it very well could be that somebody else was completely responsible on the play and it's just really tough to read in real time. But that being said, you know, Jire at least involved in a few plays that, you know, gave up either touchdowns or big plays to the opposing offense. So welcome back, Jire Alexander. It was awesome to see him. It was awesome to have him back, but may have needed to work off just a little bit of the rust. Am I concerned in any capacity about Jair and his coverage ability? I'm going to go with a hard no to that question. So uh, yeah, no concerns about Jair whatsoever. He looked in great shape. He looked, you know, with his back pedal, his speed, everything looked really, really good. Like I said, if anything, just getting back to that team stuff, he had not been at OT. So, um, you know, just kind of getting back in the swing of things for Jair, no major concerns there whatsoever. Per Bill Huber, Jordan Love was six for 12 on the day in the seven on sevens with one drop in that, you know, in the, of the six incompletion. So would have been seven of 12 had it not been for a drop, but a couple really big time throws, as I mentioned to Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson fit a couple into to Luke Musgrave as well. So or at least one into Luke Musgrave. That was a really impressive play as well. So some good stuff from Jordan, no real bad stuff. I didn't see anything. There was one play in the back of the end zone, which I'll get to in just a moment that I think probably he should have just threw away or maybe found something different, but Outside of that, I thought this was a very good day overall from Jordan Love. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Uh, Samori Toure, just in some individual drills, Samori Toure made an incredible diving catch and sliding catch down the sideline. Ball looked like it was slightly overthrown. I'm not sure who was the quarterback on the play, uh, but ball looked like it was maybe slightly overthrown. And Samori Toure just went and got it, had to go to his you know feet and make kind of a diving catch on the play. It's just individual drills. So there's no coverage on the play, but still really impressive catch. And then same thing for Josiah Deguara over the middle of the field. Ball was overthrown. He you know, just goes up, leaps up, one hands the ball, brings it down with ease. So very impressive catch there from Josiah Deguara as well. Uh, Zach Tom got the reps at right tackle with the starters. So we've been talking about him getting some time at right tackle, right guard and center. I just talked about the other day how it seemed like Zach Tom and Yash Nyman were probably going to be battling for that fifth and final spot. On this particular day, Zach Tom looked to be the one that was getting the starting reps overall over Yash Nyman. So well, again, this is probably going to be something that takes place through training camp. Who ultimately gets the nod, we shall see. Does Zach Tom get involved with Josh Myers or John Runyon Jr.? Time will tell there as well. But as of right now, seems like Zach Tom and Yash Nyman are battling it out for right tackle. And who ends up winning that battle is anyone's guess at this point, but um, you know, nice to see Zach Tom getting some starting reps with the ones on this particular practice. Meanwhile, one of the you know bigger stories of the day, which isn't that big, admittedly, is we finally got a look at Anders Carlson. And he was kicking some field goals early, just using like the, um, I don't know, the little stick holder thing. I don't know what that's technically called. I guess I should probably know that, but um, you know, just the, the little automatic holder. And on those, he was kicking just some easy ones and, you know, he had a couple, but also looked like he missed right on one and hit the post on another. So there's no rush, you know, there's no hole, there's no bad snap. It's just like, it's not the T, but it's the little thing that holds the ball on its own. And so that gave me a little bit of, you know, pause and cause for concern early because that was our very first glimpse at him. But then he actually got into the team drills and they did some, you know, actual 11 on 11 field goal kicking. And he had six kicks total from the right hash. He made the 41 yarder from the left hash. He missed a 44 yarder wide, right. Then crushed a 47 yarder from the right hash, crushed a 49 yarder from the left hash, made a 51 yarder from the right hash, and then made a 54 yarder from the left hash. So five for six on the day overall, only missing a 44 yarder from the left hash, missed that wide, right. But what I will say about Carlson is the ball just explodes off of his foot. 
Matt LaFleur talked prior to the practice about how he has a huge leg. He does, but just, you, you know how a, a, a baseball player, when you've got power and you've got a power bat and you're, you know, just a, you, you hear the, the sound off the pop of the bat and it just, it sounds different. That's how it sounded coming off of his foot. Like, I'm like, it just sounded pure coming off Anders Carlson's foot. So accuracy is going to be the big thing for him. And Matt LaFleur talked about that in, you know, prior to practice as well as the, the huge leg is there, but now it's just getting consistent with it. We saw a little bit of those hiccups throughout the practice. Some he was just doing on his own, uh, only one miss, but still, you know, five out of six is only what, 83%. So, you know, you want to see a little bit better there as well, long-term, but for a first practice, you love the sound, you love the leg, made five out of six field goals in the team periods. I thought overall a very good start for Anders Carlson with probably a couple wrinkles still to work out in the long run, which is clearly to be expected for a rookie kicker. Meanwhile, Dontavian Wicks was back from practice and then he wasn't. It looked like he was doing some drills early. I actually caught uh, one video of him uh, making a nice catch and it just is interesting seeing a number 13 that's pretty darn fast. Looks a lot different than Alan Lazard, uh, but he seemed to drop out of the drills later and did not complete practice. Maybe came back a little bit too early from the injury that he had been you know, working through uh, over OTAs. My guess is we probably don't see him on Wednesday's practice and they probably just let him sit till training camp now. Hopefully nothing major aggravated or anything like that. It didn't seem like it. It seemed like he just maybe was, you know, decided to take it a little bit more easy. Maybe just wasn't as quite healed as he thought he was, uh, but hopefully he's ready to go for training camp. He's a fun player. I'm excited to see more of him. So hopefully nothing that sets him back in any major way there. But like I said, I would guess that they probably don't risk it on Wednesday and then we probably just see him starting with training camp. Meanwhile, Malik Heath, a rookie undrafted wide receiver who has made a play in just about every single practice, got some time with the A group. So again, I mentioned A group on one side of the field, B group on the other side, and Bo Melton and some of the other wide receivers were down with the B group. Meanwhile, the A group had Malik Heath with it. Now, this doesn't always mean a whole heck of a lot. One of the players that I talked about in OTAs and minicamps who kept getting work with the A group a season ago was Ray Wilborn. And what ended up happening is they would use like their starters, like Quay Walker and Devondre. And then they put Ray Wilborn with the A group as kind of the backup guy. And then on the other side with the B group, they would put, you know, uh, you know, I like Isaiah McDuffie. And I think it was Ty Summers at the time. But what it allowed them to do at the time is then their, their true backups, like Isaiah McDuffie, got all the reps with the twos. Rather than rotating guys in and out, you know, he got all the reps with the twos, which is super valuable for Isaiah McDuffie. Meanwhile, Ray Wilborn, it's great that he gets to work with the ones and those snaps were valuable, but what does he have to do the majority of the time? Watch Devondre Campbell and watch Quay Walker. And you don't want your next guy up, in this case, Isaiah McDuffie, you don't want him just sitting there watching, right? So last year they have Isaiah McDuffie go down and work with the twos and on the field, it might look like, oh, wow, like Ray Wilborn gets to work with the ones. Meanwhile, Isaiah McDuffie's down there with the twos. But in reality, what it allowed was Isaiah McDuffie to get more snaps where Ray Wilborn got work with the ones, but fewer snaps. So you'd probably rather be in Isaiah McDuffie's shoes in that situation. And th this might be the same scenario, right? Where Bo Melton and some of the you know other younger wide receivers get all the snaps with the twos. Meanwhile, you get to see Malik Heath, you know, Malik Heath with the ones, and he's earned some of those because he's made some plays already and he's looked pretty darn good. But 
he's got to watch the starters go through the majority of it and take whatever scraps are left over working with the ones. But that's still an invaluable opportunity to get to work with Jordan Love and some of the starters and work against some of those really good corners that are working with the ones as well. So either way, fun to see Malik Heath get that opportunity. And we'll see if he can you know, kind of continue to make the most of this opportunity. He's had a really good rookie uh, camp, really good OTA, really good mini camp. So um, we'll see if he can kind of continue that moving forward. And if he can actually get his name in that conversation at the wide receiver position, probably more of a practice squad guy, but still really nice start for Malik Keith so far. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Luke Musgrave. Luke Musgrave had a route, just a little like kind of quick out and up, uh, you know, from the seam against air. So they're just, they're going through drills without the defense there. They're going, you know, through like what the offense was going to run without the defense being there. And it's just, again, a little stick route by by Musgrave. And it just, I can't tell you, it looks so gorgeous. It was so beautiful. You had this super athletic tight end. Love has great, you know, goes through his, his snap count, great mechanics, rips the ball back of the end zone. Musgrave gets down the seam so incredibly fast, makes a you know, really nice catch back of the end zone, both feet in. It's just like, man, that looks gorgeous. So then first snap of seven on sevens, what do they do? That exact play. Musgrave is going out. He goes up. They go up the seam. Love hits his drop. Great mechanics. Goes up. Devondre Campbell had it covered beautifully and knocked it away, broken up pass. And it's just like, all right, it's beautiful to watch, but guess what? The defense still has a say in this as well. Really nice play by Devondre Campbell in coverage, but you know, we can only get excited so much about plays against air. Yes, Musgrave's a freak, but Devondre Campbell gets paid pretty darn well to play the position and make sure that he's got his assignments too. And he played that play beautifully and broke up the pass incomplete to Luke Musgrave. Uh, in that same red zone period, Jordan Love, this is the pass I was talking about earlier, probably the one that he would really like to have back. He rolled out to his right and, you know, saw Musgrave in the back of the end zone, Threw one up, and you know I think Darnell Savage probably should have had a pick on the play. Ended up just with a pass breakup. Really nice play by Savage. You could tell he was frustrated with himself that he didn't come down with an interception. But that's probably the one play on the day that Love would really like to have back from a, a pass standpoint. But either way, nice play by Darnell Savage. Ends up being complete. And again, that was in the back corner. And sort of a broken play that all everything was covered up on the main crux of the routes and everything like that. And he was just trying to make a play at the end. And like I said, Savage probably should have had a pick, but still a nice play to bat away the ball. Probably the one that Love would like to have back. And then uh, there was a play towards the end of practice, seven on sevens again, where Luke Musgraves running one of those intermediate crossing routes. And he comes across and he has maybe a quarter of a step at most on Rudy Ford. Rudy Ford has tremendous coverage and Love fits it in nicely. Hits Musgrave right in the hands, but who's right there? Rudy Ford gets a hand on the ball. Ball's bobbled a little bit. Musgrave maintains con you know, concentration on the ball, grabs the pass, starts upfield. And this is another one of those plays where you want to talk about like usually there's something good and bad that happens. This was beautiful coverage by Rudy Ford on a super fast, super athletic tight end. He is right there, gets his hand on the ball, should have been passing complete. Meanwhile, Jordan Love fits a ball in beautifully where really only Musgrave had a chance at it. I know Rudy Ford got a slight hand on it, but it was in a spot where Musgrave had the opportunity to come down with it. There was no risk of interception there. So a tight throw for Love. Musgrave, you know, ran a nice route, but you know, um, Rudy Ford stays right there with them. Ball's tipped a little bit, maintains com, you know concentration, gets upfield. Just a really nice play for everyone involved. And you really like to see that sort of stuff from Luke Musgrave early as a rookie. From a starting standpoint, we again, we saw some 11 on 11s, but it was just jogged through. 
the offensive starters, Jordan Love at quarterback, Bakhtiari, who did team drills again, which is amazing, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., and Zach Tom, Luke Musgrave at tight end, Aaron Jones at running back, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson at wide receiver, and unfortunately, I missed who the other player was. Usually in team drills, they do uh, two plays in a row where they don't sub anyone out. On this one, they subbed players right away, and I couldn't see who that 11th and final player was. I failed you. I'm sorry. I'll do better in the future. But the 10 that I saw, Love, Bakhtiari, Elton, Myers, Runyon, Tom, Musgrave, Jones, Dobbs, and Watson. My guess is it was probably DeGuara, which they've done in the past. Maybe it was a Tucker Craft. Maybe it was a Jaden Reed. One of those guys probably in there, but I didn't ultimately see who that 11th player was. On defense, I did get the starting 11 for you. Kenny Clark and TJ Slayton on the interior. Preston Smith and Justin Hollins on the edges. Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell at inside linebacker. Jair Douglas and Nixon at corner. Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage at safety. I keep seeing a lot of messages of like, why not? You know, Devon, you know, Devontae Wyatt. Why is Slayton in there over Wyatt? Remember, in a base nickel situation, you want some run stopping too. You don't just want pass guys. So if if you have like your base nickel, I really like Slayton and Kenny Clark playing that together because both guys have the ability to penetrate a little bit and get upfield as pass rushers, but they're both extremely stout against the run. And if you're gonna only go with two, you know, interior defensive linemen two guys on the edge, two linebackers, and five defensive backs. If they run the football, you got to be able to control the middle of the field. And right now, I trust TJ Slayton more than I trust Devontae Wyatt as a run defender. And I really like those two in a base nickel formation. It makes a ton of sense. Now, if it was an obvious passing down, now you're talking about Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt. Maybe you even see a Lucas Van Ness kick inside in some of those situations, but that's where you're going to see a little bit more. It's not to say that Wyatt can't play some of those snaps, but on a base nickel formation, I really like TJ Slayton as the base guy more than I like Wyatt at this point. So don't think anything of it. Wyatt's going to play a ton. Slayton's going to play a ton. Clark's going to play a ton. Those are going to be your three primary defensive linemen. So don't read too much into it in a base base defense and like a real 3-4. Wyatt, Slayton, and Clark are all going to be on the field. So there's going to be plenty of snaps for Devontae Wyatt. But in that, in that sort of simplistic base nickel defense, I like Slayton a little bit over Devontae Wyatt. And it seems like Green Bay might as well. Innis Gaines, meanwhile, got some time in the slot again. That is something, if you remember correctly, at the end of last year, those last two games, he got legitimate playing time in the slot as a slot defender. It does seem like Green Bay might like a little bit bigger guys in the slot from time to time. So that was another you know opportunity for Innis Gaines to get some versatility or show some versatility, get some playing time in the inside in that slot star position. And that's for an Innis Gaines, those opportunities are huge, right? If he shows that he can be safety, you know, a star slash slot guy, a core special teamer, just the more that you can do, the more that you show, the more opportunity you have to make the team. So great to see him getting a little bit of time in the slot as well. Lucas Van Ness was working with the twos on this particular day. Wouldn't read too much into it, but he was down with the quote unquote B group working as a starting edge with that group. Um, Quay Walker had a great, uh, you know, had great coverage on AJ Dillon in the flat, showing off his speed. So nice play by Quay Walker there. But those were sort of my main takeaways from this practice. As mentioned, a couple really nice plays from Love to Dobbs and Love to Watson, which you love to see, no pun intended. And uh, that, those were kind of the main things. It was nice to get a first look at Anders Carlson and the, you know, the ball just booming off his foot and exploding off his leg. That that is exactly what you want to see. So excited about that. 
I wouldn't call this an intense practice, a lot of walkthroughs, some seven on sevens, some you know individual stuff, but not a super competitive team 11 on 11 type practice. Hopefully we see a little bit more of that on Wednesday. Uh, Jair back, which was nice. Douglas back, which is nice. Not too many guys missing. So overall, some fun takeaways, nothing too crazy, but a, a fun day of mini camp nonetheless. So that's going to do it for me on this mini camp version. I'll be right back here tomorrow covering uh, Wednesday's mini camp. So make sure to check that out as well. And as I mentioned, I'm going to be putting a lot more time, effort, and energy into this. So make sure to subscribe if you are not already. I will see you guys right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces plus 24 7 customer support his venue never misses a beat call quickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done